This morning we continue with our series studying the letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christians in the church at Philippi. As I've mentioned, this was not a church comprised of Jewish Christians, but of non-Jewish or Gentile Christians, people who did not grow up following Jewish laws. Something for us to keep in mind this morning. And so Paul is writing them this letter, and ironically, Paul is in prison as he writes the letter, but he's writing to encourage them. In this letter, he encourages them to choose joy regardless of their circumstances. He invites them to transcend their differences by being like-minded in their commitment to Jesus as Lord. And this countercultural commitment leads them to live differently. Those who have experienced God's salvation stand out in the world in the way that they live into that salvation. And in these verses this morning, the Apostle Paul is inviting us to consider where we place our trust and how we measure our value. So a reading from Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me, and for you, it is a safeguard. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have lost all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And this is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. This morning as we prepare to celebrate communion together, I want to spend just a few minutes thinking about righteousness. In this morning's text, Paul says, I want to gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own 
whose source is in the law, but a righteousness whose source is faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. So righteousness is a word that I think has kind of fallen out of fashion in churches like ours that tend to embrace a more progressive theology. We don't talk about righteousness a lot. It gets associated with a holier-than-thou attitude. The idea that we have magically received something from God that makes us better than other people, which is kind of gross. However, I don't think that's our only option for understanding righteousness. So let's see if there's something here that we might want or even need to reclaim this morning. The righteousness that Paul desires is the righteousness of God. So the righteousness of God throughout the Old Testament refers to God's character and God's will for justice. And also to the actions that God takes to enact that justice on behalf of the most vulnerable. Now that is good stuff. At our core, we want to be that kind of righteous, don't we? I mean, at least I do. To be a compassionate, nonviolent avenger of wrongs. To be as we were designed to be. To have integrity. To have virtue. To have purity of life. To have uprightness. To be righteous. And here's the thing. None of us are like that. I'm certainly not. Now, listen carefully. This does not mean that we are worthless or unacceptable to God. On the contrary, we are created in God's image. And no matter what we do or what is done to us, nothing can ever erase the image of God from within us. But can we please just be honest? And admit that our character and our actions don't meet the standards that we have for ourselves. In another letter, the Apostle Paul says that we all fall short of God's glory or God's righteousness. So now what? We fall short. Now what? Well, the first thing is to remember the goal. We actually do want that righteousness. We want to be those people. We want to be the people who live with Jesus as our Lord. We want to be the people who make no compromise with oppression. We want to be the people who don't judge others or ourselves by what we look like or how much money we make. We want to be good stewards of this incredible creation that we live in. We want to be a force for justice and peace and love in the world. We want to stand against evil. So we keep that in mind. And then Paul says that there are two ways to have this righteousness, or maybe two kinds of righteousness. One is by doing all the right things and counting on that to make us righteous. That's the righteousness that has its source in the law. 
It's what the first section of the verses is all about. There were some people who were saying that these non-Jewish Christians had to follow the Jewish religious laws specifically being circumcised, which some people were not excited about. And Paul says no to that. And then he gives a big list. You want to have confidence in the flesh? Here's the reason that I could have confidence in the flesh. But our confidence in our righteousness doesn't come from the flesh. It doesn't come from our race. It doesn't come from our family or our education or even any good thing that we might try to do to earn or to prove our righteousness. Because the righteousness that we really want, God's righteousness, is not something that we can earn. The righteousness that we really want is not a label that we, that we acquire as a result of something we do. It's something that we do because of who we are. We don't develop a righteous character by doing righteous actions. We do God's righteous actions because we have God's righteous character. The righteousness flows out from within us. And through faith, through trusting that we are already accepted by God's grace, that's what faith is, it's the trust. We come to know Christ. That's what Paul says in in these verses, to know Christ. Now this word does not mean a head knowledge. This means an experience knowledge, a knowledge by doing, a life knowledge. And the more we experience Christ, Paul says, the more we will become like him. Verse 10 says that we will be conformed to Christ's death, which we remember that death was an act of self-sacrificing love. It was a refusal to meet violence with violence. Now, self-sacrifice is radical because it is totally outside the natural pattern. Every living creature is wired for self-preservation, right? That's how the world works. Except For God. God is not wired for self-preservation. Jesus came to show us what it would look like for a human being to live completely in sync with God's righteousness, up to and including sacrificing oneself. This act and every righteous act of sacrifice breaks reality open and allows something extraordinary and unexpected to happen. These righteous acts of sacrifice allow resurrection to happen. Now we're going to move to the table and I'm going to have to move the microphone. Because that's a morning we're having. And it's not working.
So this righteous act of self-sacrifice is what we celebrate when we come to this table. We come to this table to know the real presence of the real Christ. Not the Jesus that we're comfortable with. The one that fits perfectly into the theology that we already have and doesn't challenge us. We come to this table to experience the divine one who exists apart from and beyond our understanding. And because of that, this divine one is the only one who can call us, who can invite us, who can woo us forward into some form of ourselves in the future that is more righteous and more beautiful than who we currently are. Not because we're not good enough for God, but because we know there is more abundance, there is more justice, there is more life for all of us. And here at Christ's table, we have the opportunity to receive that life. Because, beloved, as our ancestors have claimed for hundreds of years, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. And people of all genders, of all ages, and all races, every body come from the east and the west, the north and the south, and gather about Christ's table. So we begin our communion celebration with a moment of confession, which is what we always do. Now we practice confession because it brings balance to our lives. If we tend to think that we are righteous in our own power, then confession reminds us that we fall short. And if we tend to think that we aren't good enough for God, then confession reminds us that we're not judged based on what we do or don't do. So whichever way you lean on that spectrum of self-condemnation, too much or not enough, confession brings our actions into perspective so that we can once again receive the grace that God is always extending to us. It brings us back into balance. So we're going to begin with a corporate confession that the church has used for hundreds of years, and then we will silently ask the Spirit of God to show each of us what we need to confess and release this morning. So please join me in the confession that's printed in your bulletin. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and follow in your ways to the glory of your name. And now I invite you to take a moment to reflect and offer your own confession silently as you see fit.
And now, friends, according to the proclamation of Jesus in Scripture and through the power of his death and resurrection, receive God's grace. Be assured that God hears our prayers and has already forgiven us. Let go of your pain and discover that God is not far from each one of us. Come to the table and experience Christ as we eat and drink together. At Zion United Church of Christ, we practice an open table, which means that we welcome everybody who wants to share in this celebration, including children at their parents' discretion. Jesus welcomes everyone to his table. We also don't force anyone to participate, so if you choose to refrain this morning, there's no judgment for that. This table is open to all who wish to know the real presence of the real Christ and share in the community of God's people. We embody this welcome by making sure no one is left out as we eat and drink together. Gluten-free bread will be in the small dish at the center of the plates. In the trays, wine is red and non-alcoholic juice is clear. We will pass each element separately. Please wait to eat and drink until everyone has been served and I cue you. And now please join me in the great Thanksgiving that's printed in your bulletin. God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God most high. Source of all, you created a planet full of life, including us humans, who are each and all created in your image. You taught our ancestors how to live in the world by giving them challenges as well as hope. You brought our forebears out of captivity in Egypt into fullness of life, and you sent prophets to teach us. Most of all, you sent us your child, Jesus, the Word made flesh, who showed us through his loving example how you love us. You call us to follow in the path of Jesus, empowering us with the holy breath to carry your message of hope and justice to the world. And so we join with all creation to praise you. Holy, 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 God of love and majesty, the whole universe shouts your glory. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of our God. Hosanna in the highest. Will the ushers please come forward? We remember that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's self-sacrificial righteous death until he comes. And now I'll ask God's blessing. O God of love, we spread your table with these gifts of the earth and of our labor. We present to you our very lives committed to your service on behalf of all people. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit on this bread and this cup and on us. Strengthen your universal church that it may be the champion of peace and justice in all the world. Restore the earth through your grace that is able to make all things new. 
Amen.